This is Above Grade with J.S. Brown and your host, Bryce Jacob. Welcome to Above Grade, where each week we discuss the construction landscape here in Central Ohio. I'm your host, Bryce Jacob of J.S. Brown & Company. I'm here with my good friend, Greg Hansberry. Hey, Bryce. Hi, Greg. And both of us are here for your edutaining value. Now, that's one of your words that you brought into my vocabulary, which I'm really grateful yeah, for. Yeah, I'm glad that you used it, because you've taught me so many words. I'm glad that, you know, you can I could teach you something, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, student became teacher indeed. And uh, we've been doing this for quite some time. We've always had really good guests on. And this is a, uh, a really good show because um, as I walked this guest into the studio today, I made sure that they kind of put their blinders on because I didn't really want them to get a full look at the building that we're, they're walking into because these folks are from Upper Arlington's uh, building department and zoning. And I have the senior planning officer, Chad Gibson, with me. Hey, Chad, how are you? Very well. Thanks good. for having And you me. brought someone with you as well who's also a planning uh, uh, officer with you as well. That's right. Justin Milam, um, my colleague and compatriot. Uh, we, between the two of us, we have almost 30 years of experience here at the city of Upper Arlington. No kidding. That's yeah. how uh, Greg and I feel with the podcast, don't we? About 30 years? Well, it's about not even 30 months, but it feels like that. But uh, so you guys have been together uh, for quite a while and jointly 30 years of experience. So you've watched uh, Upper Arlington really grow and change quite a bit. It's been amazing. Um, Even in the last four years, we've been over $100 million worth of construction every single year. And for a community that's already built out, that's only 9.8 square miles, that is remarkable. Yeah, that is. 9.8 square miles. I didn't realize it it was that confined of an area. Yeah, we are a landlocked inner ring suburb. We're surrounded mm-hmm. by Columbus for the most part, but also uh, you know the Tri-Village area, including Grandview and uh, Marble Cliff to the south. I think about areas like Lewis Center and you th- the Olentangy School District, and I think that's like 98 square miles of territory up there. So it's incredible when you start putting it in perspective. And to spend $100 million a year on infrastructure or just structures and, and uh, growth. That's exciting. It is. It's historic. And people will look, look back at this time frame and they will, they will realize how significant it really was mm-hmm. in the big picture of Upper Arlington. So I'm curious, in such a small area, you're looking at uh, all of this growth and all of this investment going into the area. Do, do buildings have to come down for progress? It's a mixture. Um, believe yeah. it or not, every once in a while we'll see a, a, either a double lot or a, a lot that has not been developed on, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of the construction does involve demolition. Okay. And that, of course, adds cost and uh, procedural requirements to, to the project. So, and the two of you are always going to be involved in that, right? Yeah, that, that's correct. We review uh, permits as they come in, building mm-hmm. permits and other zoning permits, just to make sure, you know, we follow compliance, compliance with all of our zoning standards and uh, we do see a lot of, uh, in, you know, remodels and additions and those kind of things that, you know, you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do see, um, have about a thousand building permits or so a year. And, you know, it seems like there's construction on every street and we don't see any yeah. signs of that slowing down, which is incredible. Yeah. Well, and that's good news for us too, because we're, we're in each other's backyard. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we've been, uh, we've been part of that big picture in Arlington mm-hmm. for quite some time, but you get to see it all. Not just, you know, like for us, it's just remodeling. For you guys, commercial, remodeling, new builds, a little bit of everything. That's for sure. And what's important is that all of the new construction has to respect and blend into the neighborhood in which it's going on. And so Mm -hmm. that's a challenge that we see on a regular basis because 
large portions of Upper Arlington were built, you know, post-war. So you have um, streets that are sometimes all ranches. So mm. when someone wants to mm. do a large addition or build a new house, we have to make sure that the new house blends in with that established neighborhood fabric. So we want to encourage this redevelopment. At right. the same time, we have to balance it with making sure that it blends in appropriately. So when you're doing that, how much of that just becomes opinion? That's a great point. Um, we have an ordinance on the books called our Neighborhood Compatibility Ordinance, mm-hmm. and it gives us a set of standards that we look at, especially for new houses or for additions that are great, greater than 50% of the square footage or floor area. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we have to push back in a big way when we get a, a set of drawings that absolutely does not conform. For right. example, someone wants to do a three-story Georgian-style home on mm-hmm. a, a house or block that's all ranches. We've got to say no there. It would stick out and it would look it would look yeah. bad. Yeah. So again, it's it's finding that sweet spot, finding that balance between reinvestment and allowing the market to dictate some things. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes you guys are evaluating these projects and I know we've come to you several times with projects and sometimes we need a variant. So we're we're trying to get permission. We have to prove that there's a hardship in some cases that if we aren't able to do this. Uh, that it could create a problem for the homeowner. And I know you guys have been wonderful to work with and you're always willing to come out. I want to give you kudos for that because you've, you've always made it very welcoming for us to call, run ideas by you, and you know, you're trying to help us. Absolutely. And, and I think sometimes people get the impression of, oh, they're a governing body, so they're trying to find a way for us not to do this. And I know that's not the case, but there are some times where you say, look, I'm going to, here's, I can help you the best I, I can to this point, but we might have to rein some things in. Definitely. With with the experience that we have, especially with the Board of Zoning and Planning, um, we have a very good pulse on what's acceptable in the community and what's not. And so we want this to be a collaborative effort, never bureaucratic, always helpful. And so if, if a proposal is on the books that we don't think has a good chance, we're not going to take you down that path. We're going to say, yeah. hey, you're going to want to look at changing X, Y, and Z for this to have a better shot because we don't want you to waste your time. There's so much going on. So we want to be helpful and collaborative. Yeah, and at the same time, if we don't have to take a project to the Board of Zoning and Planning, if there's other solutions available, by all means, we want to try to do that. But sometimes there is no other solution, and you do need a variance. Mm-hmm. Um, and we recognize that, and sometimes so does our, our Board of Zoning and Planning. And they, like Chad said, we want to find a win-win. And um, sometimes it, it is the best way you know, to, to, to finish a project if you need it. Mm-hmm. And even being with the city as long as we have, we continue to come across properties that are unusually shaped or have right. some sort of uh, atypical configuration mm-hmm. that makes following code impossible. And that that's what the variance process is in place for. Well, I think the most recent one you just looked at with me was a, was a corner lot, which is actually a pie-shaped corner. So it had two. This is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. So you really don't yep. have any yard left. Yeah, <laughs> by right. the time you have the setbacks, and you know it, it's it is what it is. But you know, as we're trying to explore what are our options for you know meeting a client's request for a project, you know, it was nice to have you take a look at that, and you know, I broke the news gently to the homeowner, and they understood, and uh, you know, we're we're kind of going to another plan now to figure yep. out what what else we can do, and it's all you can do, right? right. So they're beautiful homes over there, and I know that you've done a wonderful job of protecting the integrity of the homes and the neighborhoods and the historic nature of it. So uh, it's a it's a great area. That's Thanks, for Brady. sure. Yeah, we definitely appreciate that. And what's interesting about Upper Arlington, and you know, over a hundred years old now, um, it was designed really by landscape architectures following the contours of the land. Mm-hmm. So you do have some unusually shaped parcels, especially south of Lane. So that's where you have to get creative. 
and work together. Yeah, well, it's the only part of town I sometimes get lost in still. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yes. So, um, yeah, and, I, and, and our office is right, right down the street. So anytime I head in, I always go, and how do I get over to Riverside? I go winding <laughs> around through there. But it's beautiful. It reminds me a little bit. I, I moved here from Charlotte, North Carolina. And mm-hmm. Upper Arlington reminds me of an area called Myers Park. Okay. And it was the same thing. A lot of big trees, big, beautiful, old, historic homes, windy, hilly roads. And, uh, again, uh, another part of, of our country where I, I, I could get a little disoriented. Um, but normally have good north-south geographic bearing. But, uh, yeah, awesome. So let's let's talk a little bit about some of the exciting things you have going on, because obviously you're not there to say no or $100 million uh, in projects wouldn't be invested in per right. year. So, so what's happening now that you want to share? So right out of the gate, this is going to be a historic year for the Upper Arlington School District. Um, we right. have seven major projects that will be breaking ground here in the next 12 months, including new high school, uh, new, uh, two new elementary schools, Wycliffe and Windermere, and then four other projects that follow, including you know additions to Tremont and Barrington and Greensview. So significant investment that the uh, the residents voted on uh, mm-hmm. in the fall of 2017. Right, and right here at spring break here in what what a month or so, we're going to get started on the high school and then okay. even start on the stadium renovation at the high school. So um, that's replacing the bleachers and redoing the the track surface and mm-hmm. some of the outbuildings. There's a cell tower over there that's getting moved. There's a lot going on at the high school, and that's going to start here, I think, March 18th. So Yeah, and the, the logistics of that project are, are mind-boggling because you're building a new high school right next to the existing high school. And so making sure we have enough parking, uh, making sure the sports teams have places to play, that's all a huge effort by the schools to make sure that, that runs smoothly. Maybe this is exactly what our industry needs to inspire some students to get into our field. You know, I, this is obviously a big problem we have is the shortage of, of young people coming into the trades. Maybe if there's a high school being built right next to them, the smell of that sawdust will get in their blood a little bit and we can get some people on board with us. You never know. Yeah, we, I, yeah, I yeah. hope so. I mean, it's been a great partnership with the schools. We've always had yeah. a great relationship with them, but even with, you know, this levy pa- passage and um, the bonding and everything that we've been doing, our relationship is never stronger. We're meeting with them once a week and then every other week. Um, just making sure we're all on the same page moving forward. Yeah. Maybe we can get some internship hours over there to <laughs> get those students over there. You know, detention can be totally different these days. Get, pick up a sledgehammer. Let's go. Yep. So, all right. So we got the schools. That That is big, big news. That's going to be exciting to watch for everybody. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of roads blocked off and detours. We're all excited about that. Uh, but what else? So we touched upon the, the high level of residential construction mm-hmm. that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have significant commercial projects coming online. It seems like every single month. Um, you may have noticed really in the last 10 years, a complete transformation of West Lane Avenue. Yes. So yes. We, we have the second project by Crawford Hoying that's going in. It's a mixed use project. Also a, a townhome place, a town place. Is that uh, townhome suites? Townhome suites. Thank you. Yep. Hotel uh, with a mixed use uh, component next door with a parking garage, condominiums, uh, we've got the Heartland Bank that's nearing completion mm-hmm. there at Northwest yep. and Lane. Uh, we have the Nebraska Restaurant. And then, of course, the 11-story Gateway Project, which is proposed uh, near the Pizza Hut Half Price Books, Darren's right. Furniture Corner there at uh, North Star and West Lane Avenue. So what's the status with that? I've heard it's proposed. There's been some review of that. I'm sure neighborhood commenting, et cetera. Yes. Um, it went through the zoning process and has mm-hmm. been approved. And now it's a question of the developer making sure that they have all the tenants they need to start construction and getting their building permits. 
It's a very complicated project, an 11-story tower with an 850-space parking garage. So over a two-year build if that uh, gets going there. But the office tenant is extremely important to that project. And so the developer is working to ensure that they have enough square footage spoken for to start the project. Mm-hmm. Looks good to you? It's, it's a beautiful project. It will be a game changer for that corridor. Yeah, sure. Um, the comments we get from the community is that that really isn't an appropriate gateway for Upper Arlington. When you're approaching UA, um, it doesn't reflect community values as much as we'd like it to be. So this project will set the standard in this area, especially when you bring in the Ohio State University Framework 2.0 plan mm-hmm. for West Campus. Uh, that is a significant densification of that area. So this is going to set the standard for that whole corridor. Interesting. Now, will this be the tallest structure in Upper Arlington? Yes. It was approved at over 120 feet, um, at least one portion of the building. It steps down as you go to the west, but yes, it would be the tallest building in UA, Mm -hmm. not counting cell towers, uh, once it's constructed. Now, will Pizza Hut still be open? It will not. Unfortunately, it will succumb to this development. All right. Well, and and the half-price bookstore? Also uh, gone, although they may be a part of the development, depending on the lease rate. Yeah, yeah, I know they're hoping to get back in, and I know that's something that we were hoping as well. All right, well, there's always Tommy's. That's right. That's right. It's across the street. It's not <laughs> going anywhere, right. as far as we know. That's right. So those are those are really exciting projects. You know, uh, I live in Worthington, and sometimes I wish Worthington would kind of get their their ducks in, in order. That way, I'm probably going to you know get kicked out of of living in Riverly uh, <laughs> at this point. But oh well, I'm the planning commissioner for Riverly. What are you going to do? That's right. Uh, so we have. Um, you know, we we have some development going on in Worthington, but you know, you you watch the different areas of town, but it's just amazing to watch what's happening in Upper Arlington. And there's obviously uh, buy-in from the neighborhood and the and the families that support the growth of their area to make it exciting. So, well done. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, every project has its challenges, and we we take a lot of pride in working with the board of zoning and planning to make these projects. Um, beneficial for both the residents that live nearby as well as the city and the developer themselves. So a lot of care is taken to make sure all the details, lighting, landscaping, signage, all meet code and all minimize any potential negative impacts. Yeah, very, very good. Yeah, yeah. I had too that our city takes a lot of pride in um, kind of evaluating ourselves and reevaluating ourselves. We do a lot of surveys, community surveys, these kind of things, just to make sure the city's on the right track. And every year it's overwhelmingly in full support of kind of what what, what is happening. And um, especially along the Atlanta Avenue corridor, we want to make sure we're paying a lot of attention to that. And community seems to, to really like it. So Good, good. Well, I want to talk about some of the more routine things that you uh, deal with outside of these exciting projects. But yeah. before we do that, it's probably a good time for some, don't you think so, Greg? My favorite time of the week. Tip of the week? Everybody's favorite time of the week is tip of the week. It's time for the tip of the week. Before making big plans with your property, it's advisable to seek counsel from your local building and zoning department. They're there to help you develop a successful approach to making the appropriate changes that fit the city's guidelines before you set too far down a path that could lead to disappointment. Now let's get back to our guest, Chad and Justin. All right, guys. So how is that for a tip of the week? We love it. We absolutely love it. We would much rather be in at the front of a project to help avoid any issues rather than having to say no or you have to tear something out later on. Um, one of the most common issues we have is with outdoor living spaces and, and projects that don't necessarily need a building permit. Well, we call them certificates of zoning compliance, but think about things like patios and sheds and outdoor living spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, those things sometimes need review as well, whether it be for grading or for if you have a fire pit and you're bringing a gas line to it. So we want to make sure that you're safe in your home 
And so whenever you're starting a project that adds some sort of improvement, make sure you contact us. Yeah, it's pretty easy. You know, speaking from the side of a contractor, you know, there, it, it, it's not a us versus you type of thing. Um, and, and that's what I want to emphasize because sometimes homeowners, they ask me all the time, is it easy working with Arlington? I say, yeah, it's very easy. We just need to do what they want us to do. And it's not that there's, and it's not bad. Uh, we just have to ask the right questions and we have to take the right approach and we'll sail right through everything because I've had a lot of people say, I've heard they're kind of difficult on some of these things. And that generally comes from someone who just didn't follow the rules. That being a planning commissioner myself in the village of Riverly, the only problems we ever run into is where people just don't read the information that's right there available to them. And they don't show up with the information that we need to be able to help them best. And it's unfortunate because we're not trying to turn them down. So I'm right there with you in, in this case. But boy, oh boy, if you just do a little, I love it when people call me and they say, hey, we're thinking of doing this and I can walk them right through what they need or what information they need to provide or what the likelihood of us, you know, getting hung up on something is. Um, I'll go out and meet them at their home and, and you've got a chance to, to tackle this or redirect it before you've got major costs involved. I know when people hire architects or designers, it's expensive. And uh, if, if you're, you're not really dotting the I's and crossing the T's in advance, boys, you can catch you off guard. That's for sure. And Justin and I pride ourselves on customer service. So we are readily approachable on the phone, via email. And in fact, our permit process is now streamlined where everything's in an online portal format. Mm-hmm. And so again, if you want to submit an application, you don't have to do that between eight and five. You can do that on the weekend. You can do that in the evenings. You upload your documentation and we're off and running. So we're really taking nice steps to become more efficient, um, less paper, more electronic submittals so that you get a response and you're, you're working sooner rather than later. So what is a typical turnaround time when you submit a permit, say for a general room addition on a residential home? So the state gives us 30 days for a response. However, mm-hmm. we're much less than yeah. that. Of course, it depends on what our volume is at the time. And of course, we're experiencing high volume right now. Mm-hmm. But, but generally speaking, less than two weeks, um, we can get your response on a reasonably straightforward permit. Mm-hmm. It goes through the zoning review first and then the building code review second. Right. And that's one great thing about our system. It's called Viewpoint Cloud is you can log right on and see the status, see exactly where it's at, see comments that we've made or questions we've asked. You can ask questions on there and we can respond and see it. And it's a really great software. So I'm curious, how did you guys get into this? Like, what's your background that you said, man, this is what I want to do all day, every day? (laughs) So for me, it started off, I took a geography class uh, at Miami University. And uh, one of my professors uh, was an urban planner and got my mind thinking in that direction. The neighborhood that I grew up in is out on the east side of Columbus. It's not in a good condition. Mm -hmm. And I think that added to my drive. Hey, you know, why is this neighborhood failing? And uh, so I think those two things together got me into city planning. In fact, my, my parents didn't really recognize that it was a legitimate uh, major until my dad saw an episode of Seinfeld where they mentioned city planning on yeah. it. So, so, yeah, that's how I got into it. Um, the game SimCity, I started playing that as oh, a kid, yeah. and I just loved the game. I was really good at it, really interested in it, and my hometown near Cleveland didn't have a town center or really any kind of, I don't know, community space or anything to get excited about, and, you know, four-corner four corner gas stations, those kind of things, and um, I knew it something was missing and I wanted to do, to do something about it. And I didn't really, it took me a while to figure out how I can get to this point. Um, but once I saw that city planning was a career, I was, I was all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty fabulous. 
That's a, it's interesting how we find our way, isn't it? That's for sure. Yeah, good. So uh, let's talk about what some of the more basic things are that you do. Um, you know, obviously those big projects, they're very exciting. Uh, it may be fewer and far between, but there's a lot of them, obviously. But there's also daily things that come through where there's fences and there's different easements, encroachments, et cetera. Yeah. So what, what are some of the more common things that you work with that might you might be able to expedite a little bit quicker, but they're still hanging hanging up on uh, your, your time? Sure. Uh, reviewing fence permits and shed permits are something that we probably do every day. The most common issue we have is the lack of an accurate site plan. So in order for us to complete our review, we need to know exactly where your improvement is going on your property. And many times there are easements that are located on property that prohibit construction of, of items. So because we have pipes underground there. Right. So we really, really have to make sure that we have an accurate site plan. And that that's probably holds up. If there's ever any delay, that holds up 90% of the applications. Yeah, the survey is, is really important. You don't always need a survey for every project, but it's recommended, and oftentimes it's hidden in the closing documents. So we sure. we tell our residents that to, to find those documents and bring them if they can. Yeah, and if they can't find them, is it on the homeowner to get a new survey? It, sometimes it, it may be if we do need it. If there's a you know a measurement in question, or if we want something entire, you know, completely accurate, we'll we'll request a survey. Mm-hmm. But on a day to day basis, we're meeting with homeowners and contractors, uh, reviewing project concepts and. It's a really fun part of our job. We like sure. to help uh, at the front end of projects. And so that's what we do on a, on a regular basis. We're meeting with architects. We're meeting with attorneys. We're meeting with homeowners. So it's a, it's a very enjoyable part of our, of our job. Excellent. You also do neighborhood studies. We I sure understand. do. And one recently is River Ridge, the Kinsdale West neighborhood. Yeah, the, uh, the River Ridge Kingsdale West study was something that we initiated based on some anecdotal feedback we got from the community where people said, look, we have a r- lot of rentals in this part of town. Um, we feel like we have some property maintenance issues in this part of town. So we hired a consultant who was planning next and we did a lot of outreach. We had amazing, amazing community involvement. We had three public meetings, all with over 120 people at each of the meetings, and uh, we got a series of recommendations as a result of those meetings. And we haven't just let this document sit on the shelf. We've actually taken action. And so we have made, um, so far, four uh, code changes to address concerns from that study. And we have several more on the horizon. So um, we're pretty excited about it, and we're happy that the, uh, the, the residents took part. Excellent. Actually, that's the area I used to live in, Hat House there, and it's a great spot for good nice. families to start, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. and get a home in, in UA. Uh, but uh, what us residents affectionately call it was the Golden Ghetto. But now we can't call it the Golden <laughs> Ghetto anymore. They're putting in sidewalks <laughs> and all these beautiful buildings and stuff. So thanks a lot. You're ruining our, our fun nickname. Sorry about that. <laughs> now you have to actually go buy a home, yeah, Greg. <laughs> no, but for years we would heard, we kept hearing that you know you know the city doesn't really look to our area or pay attention to us, and we, we didn't feel that was the case, and we wanted to really look at this area and get feedback directly from the residents. No, no, no you know preconceived notions from us going in. We wanted to see what can we do to help maintain your neighborhood character and, and make what you have better. So we had all these recommendations. We're going through them, and we had great feedback. It's something that we're super excited about. And there was quite a bit of mistrust at when we started the process. We had a lot of folks that said, what are you doing to my neighborhood? Mm. And so we had to confirm with them and reconfirm that, look, we want your input to make improvements to your neighborhood. If you don't want anything, you think it's fine, we'll leave it as it is. But we really had to earn the residents' trust over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. See, Greg, you could have gotten into city planning instead of radio. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. You just never know. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, should have played Sim City. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing the wrong video games. There apparently, there you go. Goldeneye, you know, didn't really <laughs> pan out for me. <laughs> Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood on Saturday Night Live. Watched too much of it. So there's other stuff that you have going on as well. There's a pilot transit program. Is that right? Called Share. That's right. Uh, CODA, the Central Ohio Transit Authority, they did a uh, transit system redesign a few years ago. And all of their routes became more efficient. And we actually got more hours of service in Upper Arlington. However, um, that efficiency ended up taking away service from West Lane Avenue, where we want service. Right. So the city is entertaining uh, a shuttle program with a company called Share. Um, and we are thinking about a, a service that would take Upper Arlington residents from maybe Kingsdale and West Lane Avenue over towards High Street and the Ohio State campus. And uh, nothing's been finalized yet. We are entertaining proposals now, and we're going to bring those to city council to see if they're interested in it. Yeah, that's good. I think uh, anytime there's growth and there's development, you probably deal with this a lot, is how do you deal with the infrastructure for transportation? And are those big objections you get? I think back to what we were talking about earlier, this 11-story tower and what's going to be drawn into Mm -hmm. that. What kind of studies are done or are there changes that need to be made to the, the road system to accommodate that growth? We are extremely fortunate to have Jackie Thiel as our city engineer in Upper Arlington. Mm-hmm. So whenever she's formulating her capital improvements plan, she brings in the community development department and others so that we can collaborate on where we need a shared use path, where we need a bike path, where we need a bike lane, where we need a crosswalk. So we're constantly with every development working together to make sure that the residents' best interests are being kept in mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just even in the last five years, we have added so many important sidewalk connections and bike paths. We've added the Kogo bike share system to Upper Arlington that gives residents another recreation and transit option. So we are constantly looking for ways to improve things in Upper Arlington. And with each major development that we have, traffic impact studies are required, which look at overall traffic uh, access and um, capacity issues on the roadways just to make sure that what's happening isn't going to be a detriment to, um, you know, people moving to and from Upper Arlington. Yeah. How much uh, collaborative effort is there between you and other building departments when you look at the city as a whole? I mean, you're, you're looking at 9.8 square miles, right? But there's also transportation that can be impacted outside of that square. And there might be bigger picture things of how do we how do we make Columbus an attractive area for the business professional? That's a great question. Um, the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission organizes all of Central Ohio's communities, and we mm-hmm. work together. Justin serves on the Ac- Active Transportation Plan um, Advisory Panel, for example. Yeah. I serve on the CODA Advisory Panel. So we try to think outside the box, not just think about Upper Arlington, but also think sure. uh, region-wide. And I think that really serves us well. Yes, yeah, so and the Active, tran- Active Transportation Group that I'm in looks at um, the scooters and the mm-hmm. e-bikes and the the bike share stations. So it's uh, it's kind of a new group. So we'll see where it goes. And then um, Chad mentioned Jackie. She, uh, she plays a big role in all the traffic for the region, helping help to coordinate federal funding from the federal government, which is mm-hmm. important. Um, and then helps you know cover a lot of the uh, the funding for projects in the region. Um, and then we also do a lot of sustainability things. Um, Morpsey is kind of the leader on that, but um, they have a great program called Sustainable 2050 that kind of helps guide the region to be uh, as sustainable as it can be. And I, f- I feel like Upper Arlington is probably the leader of that group, along with Dublin, and it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's funding, but there's also grants that, that uh, Columbus has been in the, the line of fire of, which is exciting as a technology center and a transportation hub, potentially being a finalist for 
this rapid transit system that goes from Pittsburgh through Columbus up to Chicago. Do you know much about? Yeah, that? absolutely. We uh, we off, often are, are in meetings with Morpsey, and they're they're looking at mm-hmm. things even like the Hyperloop. Yeah, uh, to see how how we can move people throughout the region and benefit our area. So. Um, the way I like to look at it, with another million people coming to Central Ohio by 2050, that's a 50 percent population. They'll all increase. be on 315. A lot of them will be. And yeah. So traffic's not going to get better if we don't act now. We're going to pay for it later. So we really have to uh, go above and beyond to try to solve those problems proactively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right now, Hyperloop—they're looking at the best ways to, to to link all those points together. And right now, it's looking like along railroad right away, mm-hmm. as opposed to on street or or other places. But um, probably around the, the rail corridors where the Hyperloop will be, and that's a really fascinating project. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's hard to believe, actually. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I moved here from Charlotte, which you heard me say, and, and uh, Pat McCrory was the mayor there who was very active in making sure that the center of the city was the draw uh, in the city. We keep the heart healthy. Yep. You know, everything else survives really well. And they brought trolley systems in. Now they have a rapid transit train system that goes to the outlying areas. And that's always fascinated me because they're very forward thinking in that and using the old rail lines to partner up with so they could get people, uh, volumes of people. And I can tell you, just in the last two years of driving from Worthington to Grandview for work, my commute has increased almost double. And, uh, with the statistics you're sharing, there's no more room for lanes to go wide. So we've got to be either doing what they did out in L.A. and double-decker us, or we've got to be thinking of other means. And so I'm curious, you know, both of you really have a passion, it sounds like, not just for what you're doing in Arlington, but for transportation. You know, are there some big-picture plans down the road? There are, and Upper Arlington has been at the forefront of that. Um, mm-hmm. These communities, these established communities, have to reinvent themselves. And I'll give you an example um, to create a walkable environment like on Lane Avenue where you have a mix of uses, that actually serves to reduce traffic. So you don't always have to get in your car to go to a restaurant or go to shopping. And so uh, look at Bridge Park up in Dublin. Again, it's a it's a lifestyle center where you can live there, you can go out there, you, you've got entertainment, you've got all sorts of offerings. Your employment center might be there. So all the communities in Central Ohio are really trying to reinvent themselves so that people do not have to get into the car. Mm-hmm. Well, I can, I put a request in. Can I do that? So I, I live in Riverly and it's right on the river. So the Olentangy mm-hmm. and it conveniently goes all the way down past <laughs> campus to Grandview. And I have a ca- kayak, there you go. but I can't navigate through some of the dams because they're hazardous. Yep. Is there a way to make that river maybe more user friendly for transportation? Mm-hmm. I would kayak to work. Literally, and I think a lot of people would because there's a lot of people on the bike trail right next to it. So we are seeing removal of some of the older low-head dams. You mm-hmm. see one uh, over by Lane Avenue, and uh, you also see it down by the side of a mile. So systematically removing these these archaic low-head mm-hmm. dams to uh, retain the natural flow and oftentimes gain parkland on either side. So I'm going to say someday. My workout would be getting home. That's yeah. right. That's right. You may need a motor there. That's right. I need a little something or you got to work on my upper body strength. That's one of the ways to do it. Guys, this has been awesome. It's been wonderful to have you in. Any parting thoughts before we wrap things up? Quarry Trails Metro Park coming to uh, just outside of Upper Arlington. Okay. Um, it's a brand new metro park that's fallen out of the sky and it's going to be an amazing asset and amenity for the entire area. Um, we're looking at connection uh, connections to the park so that Upper Arlington residents can get there without mm-hmm. getting into a car. And uh, I think you should keep your eyes on that project. That is really neat. Yeah. What, what are some timelines? 
Well, uh, Wagonbrenner has already started uh, mm-hmm. with some of the reclamation. It actually was uh, part of the site is an active quarry now, and mm-hmm. another part is uh, was a former trash dump for the city of Upper Arlington. Yeah. So they are remediating that site, and they're going to start off with kind of a mixed-use uh, development with retail and restaurant and apartments and condos, but then it'll get into the metro park, and it's going to be fascinating. Cool. Any features in the park because of the... Uh because of the quarry lots of unique features we've we've heard of everything from rock climbing to awesome. bike trails to kayaking um, it's going to be a one of a kind for central ohio that's awesome that's very exciting Ooh, we'll have to keep posted we'll have you back thank you uh, in the near future to hear some updates on this especially with a hundred million dollars each year being spent there's always something to talk about isn't there for sure all right guys well thanks so much for being here uh, we'll have you back like i said and we get to do this every week where we've got great guests great topics I hope you've been enjoying Above Grade as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. Certainly, if you've uh, just tuned in and you're hearing us for the first time, we've got a whole archive of these things. You can go listen to them on iTunes or you can go to jsbrowncompany.com. Check out that archive. Don't forget to rate and review us. You want to tell us how to do that, Greg? Are you, yeah. I just did. Just yeah, I just did. I, well, that's usually the part he likes to jump in on. He was just crawling up my back, so this is good. You can always go to... A, <laughs> you can always shoot us an email too if you'd like if there's something you want to hear about you haven't heard about yet or there's more in-depth you'd like us to go on a subject matter go to abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com share your thoughts until next week I'll tell you what this is Bryce Jacob with JS Brown and Company wishing you a great week to build from Above Grade is a Columbus Radio Group production and produced by me, Greg Hansberry.